You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I'm hoping you guys are coming back now that it's Monday. Um, just nobody, nobody's been around since the 4th, which I don't think is, is a coincidence. There's a sharp drop-off in the numbers on the 4th. A slight uptick on Victory Friday back to what, like, normal numbers would be. Not a normal, like, hey, we won the game, right? Really low for that kind of a number, but just kind of like a normal. And then it's just straight downhill from there. So I'm hoping you guys are coming back and, you know, football's a thing in your lives again. Because it's getting bleak on my end. Might as well start having private Zoom sessions. (laughs) Hey, you four, let's, you want to talk about something or... But I, I also mean it not just for me. It, it worries me just from the standpoint of what, what's going on with you guys. I mean, I, you know, whatever. But I guess I've just never seen anything like that, and it's freaking me out a little bit. But anyways, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, you will probably know that um, it's a good day yesterday. A borderline perfect day yesterday, actually. Um, and I need to have a conversation with the pessimists, so if you guys wouldn't mind stepping to the front of the line, I've got a few questions. And again, the reason that I do stuff like this is because I think, I mean, pessimists are, seems obvious to say it, but they're, they're the opposite of the optimists. Optimists see bad stuff and say it's good stuff. 
Pessimists see good stuff and say it's bad stuff. Pessimists are harder on the Packers than anybody else. So, question. I was getting, uh, and this is not related, but just to give you an idea what I'm talking about. And I get this pretty regularly. There's two main pessimists that are constantly communicating with me. One of them reached out on Twitter yesterday and said something to the effect of, I'm watching these games and it dawned on me how bad our front offense, our front office has been while drafting or something to that effect. And I'm watching it going, these games are awesome. Every single supposedly awesome team is getting smashed in the mouth. And you're watching these games saying, wow, our front office is a failure? What the heck are you watching? He must have saw a highlight of a rookie get a touchdown or something. It's like... And I don't want to just sit here and constantly address that because the majority of you understand it's absurd. And I get that. And I don't want to keep, you know, going over it and over it. And it's also more fun to, you know, go after rivals or something than fellow Packer fans. But you know what? I don't have Vikings fans coming. I did have one yesterday. I don't know if he was a Seahawks fan or something. I was being sarcastic on Twitter and he just lost it. Just emotionally deranged like 13-year-old girl came after me or something. I don't know. I don't know what her problem was. And I will continue calling her a female because I assume people that are that irrational get offended by that. So hopefully um, the little girl is listening. Anyway, I don't know. It just, it's, I don't know. It just confuses me, I guess. To have so little control over your emotions is just funny to me. But the point is, with with the, the comment that I mentioned, it's very simple. Just look at the front office for everybody else. Right? Oh boy, the Packers are just the worst. Okay, I mean, go look at the the Patriots. Bill Belichick is considered the greatest coach of all time, one of the greatest GMs of all time. If I read off these the list of these names, y- you don't know who they are. For the most part, they suck. I heard somebody say something about, well, or, you know, give me a team that that's been drafting really well, the Baltimore Ravens. Eh, have they? I mean, if you believe what the media says, then Patrick Queen was a great draft pick. Otherwise, he's garbage. J.K. Dobbins, okay. Justin Madwike, Devin Duvernay, I think, had a good, uh, like a kick return for a touchdown or something. Malik Harrison, Tyree Phillips. Um, How about Hollywood Brown? Again, another one where media probably tells you he's great, but for a first-round player, I don't think he's done hardly anything. Jalen Ferguson, you know who that is? No, because that was the second guy they picked in the draft. He's not done anything as far as I know. Miles Boykin, Justice Hill, Ben Powers. There was Lamar Jackson, and that's cool. I mean, the 2018 draft was pretty solid. Hayden Hurst is a good tight end. Lamar Jackson, Orlando Brown, Mark Andrews. Kind of falls off after that, but that was a good stretch. Marlon Humphrey was decent for a while. So even if you want to say, let's say 2016, 17, and 18 were decent. Although decent as opposed, if you look at the pessimists, they'll look at that and say, how is it possibly decent in 2016? They picked Ronnie Stanley and everybody else is trash. One guy is good and everyone's garbage is a bad draft pick. That's what they'll tell you about the Jair draft year. Jair is good and everyone else is trash. That's how you know that our GM is stupid. So if you hold them to that standard, the Baltimore Ravens have not drafted well. And then if you look at the last two draft picks or draft classes, eh, eh. And I've been telling you for a while, as soon as the Kansas City Chiefs got rid of their GM, which I'll never understand why they keep doing that, this uh, John Dorsey, the guy who, I mean, again, everybody must hate the guy, but, I mean, he's the one that went out and got you 
Eric Fisher and Travis Kelsey and D. Ford and Marcus Peters, Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes. Since then, the last three draft classes, I mean, you got a running back in the first round. Great, congratulations. I don't know if he's worth a first round overall pick, but it's just, you know, at least it's the first time you probably drafted somebody that doesn't suck, so that's cool. You know what this is? This this is like being a parent to a kid that's crying because they don't have a horse. <laughs> that's it's like are, are you serious? Well, Sally down the street has her own horse, and we don't even have a dog. Dude, in the grand scheme of life, if we leave this city and your group of eight friends and and expand our view over several billion people i think i'm providing you a pretty solid life i think we've got it pretty good i feel like that's where we're at with some packer fans you got some grateful ones and you got some that'll never be satisfied unless they've got you know a million dollar home on the lake with horses and even then you know they're just going to be miserable people I mean, they've got everything they want, but you realize it's not the stuff. They're just miserable no matter what. And that's probably the reason I shouldn't sit here and address them all the time, because it doesn't matter. If we win a Super Bowl, they're going to complain about it. Well, we won't win it next year. We got lucky. The refs were on our side. (laughs) Miserable. And that brings us to the games yesterday. The Packers right now are 6-2. They are one of the best teams in the NFL, not even debatable. If you're looking at the NFC, nobody has a better record. There are several in the AFC. The Bills go to seven wins. Steelers are at eight. Kansas City's at eight. But in the NFC, it's the Packers, the Bucks, the Saints, and the Seahawks at six wins. But we have concern, and concern is fine. I, I This is why I also don't generally agree with optimists, because optimists, the, the biggest problem with being an optimist is that if an optimist... I would rather have a pessimist as a GM than an optimist, by far, because as a GM, you should be somewhat of a pessimist. You're always trying to get better. You're always looking for weaknesses, trying to get better. An optimist would run a team into the ground in one year because everybody's perfect. There's nothing to fix. I love these guys. You pick out any guy and say, we need to get rid of them, and they're going to throw a temper tantrum. You don't understand. He's a great player. And then we would just be stuck with him forever. These are the people that attack me every time I, I bring up, you know, MVS or something. We need to move on. Oh, really? And I I did have somebody just send me this. And I don't want you to think I'm attacking you, but just, I'm not, a, I'm just giving an example of, of where optimists are way off. And again, I, I got sent this yesterday, but this is just one of about 15 times this has been brought up. Anytime you try to trash MVS, somebody wants to jump up and say, oh, really? Remember when everybody hated Devante? It's it, that's a really weird argument to me. And we'll get we'll get back to the games in a second, but let me just let me just address this because it just kind of confuses me. Is it your argument that MVS is going to be good because he's bad? Is that actually your argument because if you think about it, I think that's your argument and you should probably rethink that one. You believe MVS is going to be good because he's bad? And Devontae was bad, therefore they're related in that way. And because Devontae and MVS are both bad, and Devontae became good, then MVS will become good. That is such a warped, weird, 
twisted kind of way of thinking. I mean, if you want to say we don't know, that's fine. But you've provided absolutely nothing to the conversation. You can literally say that about everybody. And the problem is most players are not good. I can already hear the optimist. Oh, really? I bet they're better than you. Not what I'm talking about. Let's try to keep it within the context of the conversation. In comparison to NFL football players, they're going to lose more often than they win. The majority of the guys that get drafted, that get brought in as undrafted free agents, they are bad football players. They go to the NFL stage, and they're not very helpful. So to say that they're not successful, therefore... And of course, there's you got to pop up that one example of, well, look, he had a good game, therefore there's a little glimmer of hope that he's going to be... But again, everybody has a good day. Everybody. Equinemius, you can go back and, oh man, look at that one game, that's how you know. Geronimo, oh, that one game, that's how you know. He's going to be the next Devante. Jeff Janis, Trevor Davis... On and on and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And you can do that with every single everything. A.J. Dillon reminds me of Eddie Lacy. Therefore, he's going to be Eddie Lacy. Dexter Willie. And, 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 you know, sometimes I do it. Sometimes, But it's sometimes I like guys based on something they're showing. But it, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen because of this one game. So just to be fair to the pessimists, the optimists can be problematic as well. They're just not as obnoxious. I mean, they don't attack you with positivity. Not very often, anyways. They generally just kind of keep to their own and celebrate and cheer and isolate themselves from the negativity. But they would make just the worst GMs in the world. I'm, I'm sorry. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to cut anybody. It would end up like peewee, peewee, foot, peewee football, where everybody has to get a turn. Has Dexter played yet? Why hasn't Dexter played? He's so good! Let him play. But no. God. Should we bring Janice back? Yeah! Should we bring Jordy back? Yeah! Oh, jeez. This would be the worst team in the world. I'm sorry. I love Optimus. But you you got to admit, that would just be the worst, wouldn't it? I've never picked on Optimus, so it's, it's kind of fun, to be honest. Maybe this is why my audience is so low. <laughs> I just... What should I do this? I know what I'll do. I'll set an alarm for 3 o'clock in the morning. I'll send out a recording to thousands of people in which I just trash them as human beings. And, um... Hopefully that, uh, that continues to grow, and can make a career of this i love all you guys but i get my you know i get my fair share of uh lashings so you know sometimes i'm going to turn around and give it back so it's it's important to know who you are right once you know who you are you just kind of embrace it if you're a pessimist you have to realize you're obnoxious and irrational right you're emotional you're like a, a, a teenager you're a hormonal teenager throwing temper tantrums you're probably right a fair amount of the time but you're obnoxious and annoying. We love you, but you're a miserable person. Optimists are super nice. You would make horrific GMs, and we can't have serious conversations around you. Because if we ever start talking about real stuff, about, you know, we should probably upgrade here and do this or do that, you guys want to interject with how great of a player they are and how we're wrong about everybody in which we say they're not good. And I think the majority of the audience is somewhere in between, but I, I just, you know, want to make sure we're all, all caught up to speed. But let's look at this. Because the way that this works, and again, pessimists, I get it, man. You see an area of improvement and you, you know, kind of lose it a little bit. But it's fair to say there are areas of concern for the Green Bay Packers. The problem is where the pessimists take this is 
to the conclusion that the Packers are uniquely awful. The Packers will never win because they got blown out by such and such and so and so. All right, we got beat by the Vikings. How embarrassing. Well, they beat Detroit 34-20. to Because remember when I told you that this is actually a really, really good offense? Granted, that doesn't excuse the fact that our offense couldn't beat their defense. That's a little bit problematic, but it happens. No, it doesn't happen. It just happens to the Packers. Okay. Did you know that Kansas City was losing to the Carolina Panthers basically that entire game? Here's the thing. I, and I, Yeah, but they still won. That's true. They did. They found a way to come back and win. I've, I've already conceded Kansas City is on a different tier. But this is kind of what I was referring to when I said there's really nobody that is elite, untouchable tier. Carolina, I respect. Carolina, I put in the same tier as I've said a thousand times now as the Raiders. They're a team that has a lot of issues, a lot of holes, but man, they have got just this mentality where they don't quit. They're like a pit bull man. I really respect both of those head coaches because of what they do mentally for these teams. Raiders, by the way, beat the Chargers 31-26. to They're just, they're tenacious. They win a lot of games that they shouldn't win. They're in a lot of games that they shouldn't be in. If the Green Bay Packers, Were the Kansas City Chiefs in this game, you would not be happy. The Carolina Panthers scoring 31 points and only beating them by two, Packer fans would be furious. Most Packer fans, and not even extreme pessimists. I mean, just the general, kind of even my camp, the fanalist, you know, the the, the fan part and the analyst would be looking at things like, this is not good. Why can't we look at the Chiefs and say, man, they've got some serious issues? This is a team that's very beatable. The Carolina Panthers put 31 points up on them. And their offense got a, got a, kind of had a hard time going there for a while. It really just came down to one of those things where who scores last, and it happened to be the Chiefs that scored last. The Panthers, unfortunately, were in a position where they scored and had to kick off. And so either you do an onside kick and probably lose that, or you kick off and you probably aren't going to get the ball back. If there was less time on the clock, Carolina wins. The, the Chiefs' defense couldn't do anything to stop the Panthers. And kudos to the Panthers for playing well, but I mean, this is not an elite offense. So although I will concede that Kansas City is probably at this particular point in time a better team than the Packers, it isn't by a wide margin. It's a team that is an impressive offense with a pretty bad defense. Wait a minute, that's kind of what the Packers are. Baltimore pulled away from Indy. Indy's offense had no ability to move against Baltimore, but I think, again, if you actually watch the game, and if this was the Green Bay Packers, I don't know how impressed they would be. The, the, the Colts were beating Baltimore for quite a while. This is another one where it took a while before Baltimore kind of, I don't know why I can't say Baltimore, Baltimore pulled away. But for a while, it was just Baltimore couldn't do anything. It's one of those situations where Indy's offense needed to start. You know, they looked good, they looked good, they looked good, but you realize if you don't score soon, you're in a lot of trouble. Now, I said this was best possible outcome because I want... Baltimore to beat Indy and Indy certainly is looking at this like well boy we really stink right this is a team with a really solid record the Colts were five and two and put up 10 points against Baltimore is that what you expect from a five and two team but also again Baltimore is looking at this going dude why aren't we better than this almost never in the NFL if, if I were to kind of summarize this is anything just completely black and white good teams annihilate bad teams end of story you got to struggle a little bit and if you don't show up 100% you're going to lose If you take your foot off the gas, even against teams that you think are trash, you're going to lose. And there were several teams that either did lose or basically almost lost because they just just came in thinking this is going to be easy. I think you can put the Chiefs in that category. They were getting annihilated, finally hit the gas just in time and pulled it out. Seattle got annihilated by the Buffalo Bills. 
they didn't lose to the Buffalo Bills. They got annihilated. It came within 10 points, but I think Seattle got like two garbage time touchdowns at the end. There was one where the guy was left wide open, got a 60-yard touchdown. Buffalo took their foot off the gas. This was a brutal, brutal beating. And a lot of that had to do with Russell Wilson, who, as I've been saying, is having... I've been saying that Aaron Rodgers, if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, would be far and away the best quarterback in football. He's having a historic season. But Russell Wilson, in the same year, is having as historic of a season. The problem is Rodgers had one really bad game, and so Russell Wilson kind of stands out. And a lot of people, again, the pessimists will look at that and say, well, if you're so good, you shouldn't be having bad games. There should be more consistency, which is a separate thing. There's really good and there's consistency. Those are two separate things. You can be consistently good. You can be elite and inconsistent. You can be consistently elite, which is extremely rare and almost never happens. But of course, you know, people with high expectations expect that. If you're good, you're never bad. That's not true. They're separate categories, right? You, you know that even from fantasy football. You got guys that are consistently 12 points every game, and you got guys that'll get you 21 week and four the next. They're both valuable just in different ways. And yeah, you get a couple guys that are consistently like 18 to 20 points. They're very rare. They're the first-round pick guys, and, and that's it. But Russell had a bad day. And we'll see what PFF says about it. Um, I'm sure, I guess I don't know. But the bigger issue was the fact that not only did Buffalo's offense completely exploit Seattle, which is something I said yesterday, their offense has been really, really solid. Seattle's defense has been terrible. But I expected Seattle's offense, which is arguably the best in the NFL, at least it has been, to be able to steamroll Buffalo's defense, and they couldn't. Again, 34 points is a mirage. You subtract 14 points from that, it's 20 to 44. Seattle imploded against a terrible defense in Buffalo. And yes, I said terrible. This isn't 2019, this is 2020. Their defense has been the biggest thing holding Buffalo back. Their offense has been carrying that team. So again, if if we just eliminate, because a lot of people have written off the Packers, they're never going to win because they're too inconsistent, they got too many issues, fine. So Seattle's not going to win, Chicago's not going to win, Minnesota and Detroit aren't going to win. We're looking at NFC teams here. The Giants and Washington aren't obviously going to win. Carolina's not going to win. Uh, Seattle, we know, isn't going to win. Atlanta's not going to win. Dallas isn't going to win. Uh, Arizona's not going to win. Uh, New Orleans isn't going to win. Tampa, complete and total frauds. Tampa just lost 38-3. to I am so sad and depressed that I didn't stay up and watch that game. I mean, I, I, I saw the, the tweets and whatnot, worst game of Brady's career, worst loss of Brady's career. But again, this is the best team in the NFC. I mean, theoretically, I mean, if you look at the records, if you look at, I mean, you could say Seattle, but you're looking at an offensive and defensive team. The offense was garbage. The defense was garbage. 38-3 to might be the biggest beating of the season. In fact, 35 points, that's one of the bigger deficits, like, in NFL history. I think I, I started a little bit early. Give me a minute. Let me look this up. You don't have to wait a minute. I really needed to. I should have taken a break. I'm a dummy. So quickly I can look this up here. Nah, there have been some, <laughs> there have been some beatings. Never mind. It's not even close to a historical loss. Oh my goodness, man! There's been some. Be- it's not even in the top 100. That's pretty wild. The biggest deficit in NFL history was 73 to zero, and it was in the championship game. The Chicago Bears beat the Washington Redskins 73 to zero. Just looking at this was in 1940. Wow, just looking at the uh, the logos is hilarious. <laughs> it's a walking bear holding a football. 
Let's look at since 2000 here. Jeez, 2009. Let's do 2010. <laughs> no, I don't. It's still not even. It it's it it cracks the top 100 barely since 2000. 2009, Patriots won 59-0. So, all right. I guess it's not. What what about? I don't know. It's the biggest of the year. Let's say that Baltimore beat uh, Cleveland 38 to six. So the biggest beating of the year was the supposed Super Bowl favorite, you know, elite, arguably best team in the NFC, uh, took the biggest beating of the season against a team that the Packers beat, right? So what does that mean? Tom Brady's trash. The defense is garbage because they give up 38 points. The offense sucks. They put up three points. We know San Francisco's not going to do anything. We just beat them like a redheaded stepchild. Who is the NFC team that's going to do anything? Who, which NFC team, forget wins the Super Bowl, let's just concede that to the Chiefs. I'm not really being serious, but to, to make sure that we don't let the pessimists try to take this in the wrong direction. Let's stay focused here. So somebody in the AFC wins the Super Bowl. It's not going to be Pittsburgh because they almost lost to Dallas. They're trash. Right? We just learned that because, again, that's how this works. So it's either Baltimore or Kansas City, probably Kansas City because Baltimore seems a little flukish lately although Kansas City almost lost to Carolina, but let's not get sidetracked here. Which NFC team goes to the Super Bowl, and you're not allowed to pick a fraud? Can you do it? I don't think you can say Arizona. Again, they just lost to Miami, and on top of it, like I've said, they've only beat bad teams or teams within their division. The 49ers and the Seahawks are the only good teams they beat, and they barely beat them. Everybody else has been terrible, and they just lost to the Miami Dolphins. They're going up against the Bills. They're probably going to lose to the Bills. They're going up against Seattle. We'll see. Divisional team, but I don't think they're better than Seattle. The Rams also just lost to Miami. They also lost to the 49ers. They lost to the Bills. Anytime they face a decent team, they the only wins they have, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, Washington, and the Bears. Sounds like they only beat trash teams. We know it's not anybody from the NFC East. No chance. We know it's not the Buccaneers because they're frauds. We know it's not the Saints because we've seen them. They're a joke. And we know that we can beat them and we're frauds. So obviously the the team in New Orleans is not it. Carolina probably isn't even going to make the playoffs. Atlanta's not going to make the playoffs. The Packers are frauds. The Bears are frauds. Um, Detroit is garbage. Minnesota's not going to make the playoffs. Seattle are frauds. Arizona's garbage. LA's garbage. San Francisco, uh, clearly garbage. So, do we just put two AFC teams in the Super Bowl, or how does this work exactly? I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I'm, we might have to consult, uh, somebody that knows some stuff. Somebody that's read a book or something. Anybody, any of you guys read books on football and stuff? Speaking of, um, being serious here, I'll step away from the sarcasm. I'm, I'm on a reading books kick. I don't have any football books. If you have any suggestions, shoot them my way. It's probably going to be like 10 years before I get to it because I have a pile of books that, that over the years, like every time I get on a book kick, I order like 18 books and then I read a half a book. So I got a huge stack on top of a list on Amazon, about 500 books long. But, you know, shoot me your suggestions. I'll add it to the list. We'll see what happens. But any of you book learning people... Is there something that says people in the NFC are all frauds, therefore we'll just put two AFC teams in? And I don't know who the two AFC teams are, to be honest. I would assume it would have to be, you know, we got the Bills here, um, although they lost 16 to, what is it, 16 to 42 to Tennessee. So we got to rule them out. They're done. They're frauds. They're a joke. You got the Steelers, but again, 
They almost lost to the Cowboys. They did beat the Ravens, which is cool. They beat the Titans, and that's pretty legit. Uh, The Browns, who cares? The Eagles, who cares? The Texans, the Broncos, and the Giants. Those are all bad teams. None of those matter. I don't know. We could probably put the Steelers in as one, and then Kansas City, I guess, is the other one. Steelers-Kansas City Super Bowl. Baltimore has only beat bad teams. They played the Chiefs and got annihilated. They played the Steelers and lost. The only teams they beat, the Eagles, the Bengals, Washington, Houston, Cleveland, and... uh, and now the Colts, who I guess are decent, but, you know, hey, again, look at the Packers. If they face good teams, they can't win. Same with Baltimore. There you go. So then, yeah, then you got the Chiefs, I guess. And granted, they lost 40-32 to 32 against the Raiders. Can we even add them to this list? They've got a fraudulent loss on here. They lost to the Raiders, dude. Maybe we should just give the Steelers the Super Bowl trophy, and we don't have to really worry about this. I mean, granted, I don't know if the Steelers are any good, I don't know how you almost lose to the Cowboys. Maybe we should just forfeit the whole season because everybody's a bunch of frauds. Good teams shouldn't be losing like this. You get what I'm doing, right? You get the point. I know I'm laying it on pretty thick. It's it's not meant to be negative. It's meant to be positive. The point is, everybody's going through this. It's a weird year. And it feels like the Packers aren't going anywhere because you look at the depth of the issues and you say, man, I just don't know. And it's fair to say that when you're this inconsistent, when you have this many issues, you're not going to win. But somebody has to. And if you just look, this is what I want you guys to do. From now on, anytime you say, this is a problem because of this, go out. Right? Like I said, if you don't like your life, go out and look at the billions of people around the world and measure yourself against that. So I think it's hilarious how we talk about privilege in America. Literally everybody in this country is privileged. I only make $40,000 a year. Wow. Welcome to the 1%, rich boy. Quit your crying. When my kid turns 16, I can have her take a car and go deliver pizzas at night, and she makes more than most of the people on this planet delivering pizzas on the weekend. What in the world are you crying about? Same thing with Packer fans that just cannot be happy with this team. I get that there are issues. I completely understand. And yeah, we should work toward making it better. But you need to shut up. I don't want to hear a word from you until you start acknowledging the good stuff. If you're not going to mention the good stuff before you mention how we can get better, I don't want to hear your voice. Unless you're going to acknowledge that this team is impressive at 6-2 and two, and the potential of this team, I don't want to hear about the issues we have stopping the run. I acknowledge that it's an issue and we can move forward with looking at how to fix some of those things if you'd like to. But if you're not even going to begin to acknowledge the positive, we're not having a conversation. You're just throwing a tantrum. You're being an irrational, spoiled brat. And the, the, the parallels between my analogies just... We're, we're, we're still going with it. Because I think that's legitimately what it is. People are trying to sound rational. But they, they're not being rational. They're just complaining. They're miserable people that are just angry. I mean, just legit, you're just, you're angry. And it's, I mean, I'm fine with it if you'll just say that's what it is. I'm just really angry. I have really high expectations. And I just want to rant and rave about stuff. Like, cool, man. Thanks for letting me know. But don't give me this nonsense about you're being rational. Rational is looking at the good, looking at the bad, and trying to figure out the best path moving forward. If you don't acknowledge any of the good, you're not being rational. This is arguably the best team in the NFC, and you can't find anything good. You're living in the best country in the best time period. Well, maybe 2019 was better than 2020, but you get the idea. I've said this before. Would you rather be somebody making $50,000 a year in 2020 
or somebody making a billion dollars a year in 1900. Don't lie. Not one person would go back to the 1900. Oh, I want to be a billionaire. For what? What are you going to do with the money? What are you going to do with it? You want to live in that society and that culture with that amount of technology? What, what kind of car are you going to buy? There's nothing about that time period that you want to live in. Quality of life. Your quality of life, even in the midst of coronavirus, is better than most people in all of human history since forever. Shut up. Packer fans, this is one of the best football teams the Packers have ever graced a football field with. This offense, this is one of the best quarterbacks the Packers have ever seen, the best wide receivers we've ever seen, with one of the most talented running backs we've ever seen, with a top-tier offensive line, with one of the best cornerbacks we've ever seen. I don't want to hear your crying. If you'd like to offer up some suggestions or some issues that you think need to be remedied and some ways that we can move forward and possibly fix them, fine. But please, please acknowledge the good with the bad. And we should start with the good as the foundation because it's mostly good. This was a great week, not just for the the standings, but for illustrating the fact that every single team is really struggling right now. Every team has some pretty massive issues that if they glare their head at the wrong time, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. There isn't a single team that doesn't have some deep-seated issues that if they pop up in the NFC Championship game, they're done. Which is why things like being healthy and being consistent, and and health is a big part of that, is important. So Matt LaFleur, for example, holding guys out that are close is probably important because he realizes losing a random game to Minnesota is less impactful than losing Aaron Jones for the season or Devontae Adams for the season. If we don't have them in the playoffs, we don't win. If we can enter the playoffs at full strength, we have a massive upper hand against these other teams that have massive glaring issues. There is no guarantee, but we have just as good a shot as anybody else at winning a Super Bowl. That's just a reality. Maybe not quite as good as as a couple AFC teams, but NFC, 100%. And again, even the Chiefs. How do you explain losing and, and decisively to the Raiders? Well, divisional game. Okay, well, whatever. That's what you want to say. That's fine. Hopefully they don't see anyone in their division in the playoffs, or the Raiders, or the Steelers, or any other team that has the opportunity to beat them. Titans. Here's the bottom line. Football is a game in which most things are unsuccessful. When you're successful, that's the anomaly. Pessimists see the successful as the norm. That's why you're miserable. Success is not the norm. Losing is the norm. Losing football games, losing players, bad draft picks, bad free agent acquisitions bad trades, most things are negative. When you get a positive, you need to doubly acknowledge that. Feel free to fact check it. Rather than sitting around and pouting and crying about stuff, go look it up. Go find a model of what you'd like to be. Look at everything they've done. Actually put the work in. Study it. Get your hands dirty. Find a successful team. Find out why they're successful. I'm guessing it won't be very easy. And again, the only way people can be pessimists is to, to Monday morning quarterback it. I've never heard any pessimist say, here's my track record of here's, here's a list of guys that I said at this time we should draft. And I'm not talking about selectively. I have a list of those guys too that I wish we had drafted. I've also got a big list of guys that I said we should draft that, were, that are not good football players. I liked Patrick Queen. He's been terrible. I like Brian Burns. He's doing really well. I really like TJ Watt. He's doing great. Didn't like Kevin King. There you go. I've got a list of good, I've got a list of bad. 
I wanted to get Earl Thomas. How's that working out? So again, if, if anybody wants to be actually honest about it, then I want to see your... Same thing when Brian Gutekunst got read, interviewed for the job. What did the uh, Murphy say? Bring me your list. Bring me your notes on the draft. I want to see your track record. What did you say before you knew the final result? He got the job because he was right about a lot of prospects. Packers had a lot of misses, and they looked at his notes, and in his notes, he didn't like those guys. On the hits, he was the one that liked those hits. He had a better track record than anybody else in that room, so he got the job. Bring me yours. I'm talking about the full list. Prior to the draft, I want to see everybody that you liked and everybody you didn't like. Free agents included, because I know you got a bunch of misses there, because almost every single free agent that gets signed is garbage. Show me how you ranted and raved when we got rid of Jordy, who went on to do nothing after he left Green Bay. Or Randall Cobb. Or Clay Matthews. Or whoever. I guess we're not doing it. I, I gotta get more organized. This is getting getting bad. But I'm not I'm not gonna try to force it, because I'm, I'm basically done talking about it. And again, I, I don't want this... I know it sounds negative, but it, it genuinely is positive. The Packers are, right now, arguably... Not arguably in the top tier, but they, you could argue that they're the best team in the NFC. For sure. I mean, just just look at not just the record. Look at the teams. Who's got the best offense in the NFC right now? You think it's Seattle? With that terrible offensive line? I mean, maybe. They've got a better wide receiver group, perhaps. Although when Lazard comes back, I'm not sure about that. They don't have a number one as good as Devontae. I think I would trust the Packers more because they've got a better offensive line. They've got a better running back. We could say the quarterbacks are on a similar tier. The wide receiver situation is fairly even. Who's got a better offense? It's not Tampa. It's not New Orleans. As far as teams that are actually going to go to the Super Bowl, who's better? Nobody. I mean, you can make arguments all you want. That's fine. Even looking at defense, who definitively has a better defense? Not to say the Packers have a good one, but, I mean, what, what are we looking at here? The Bears, if they get in, probably, but their offense is one of the worst ever. I mean, it is it is horrifically bad. It's clearly not the Seahawks. Their defense is probably the worst. Tampa's defense, again, they just gave up 38 points. Maybe New Orleans? No, I don't think so. They've given up the 20, their 23rd in points allowed, so they've actually been getting uh, steamrolled pretty good here. Although that's about to get a lot better after putting <laughs> allowing three points to Tampa. Then you look at next week. Um, Packers go up against the Jaguars. There's no guarantees in football. But assuming we win, the, the Packers are going to be 7-2. and two. You got the Bucks going up against the Panthers, which would have seemed like a, a lock not too long ago. I don't think it is anymore. The Cardinals are playing the Bills, so they may f- might fall a game. San Francisco's playing the Saints, so that's win-win. I mean, you assume the Saints are going to steamroll them and go to seven and two, and two, which isn't great. But that means the 49ers fall to four and six. Then you got Seattle playing the Rams. Perfect. It's another win-win. The Rams are, you know, possibly going to fall what two in a row become 5-4, and four, that, that what was once not very long ago considered one of the powerhouses, possibly one of the best in the NFC, suddenly falls to 5-4. and four. And if they pull out a win, the Seahawks fall two in a row and become 6-3. and three. Win-win. Then you got Vikings-Bears. Perfect. Perfect. I think the Vikings win that game, to be completely honest. I don't think the Bears' defense has any ability to stop the Vikings' offense. I mean, probably more so than a lot of other teams, but they, they're not going to be able to keep pace with that offense. No guarantees. I mean, it's possible the Vi- you know the Vikings are very volatile. Sometimes their offense just implodes. But assuming the offense keeps clicking, my estimation would be the Vikings go to four and five, the Bears go to five and five. Assuming the Packers win, things just keep getting better because they have to. 
because some of these matchups are win-win. Bills-Cardinals, win-win. I know Bills are AFC, but it's still win-win. Panthers-Bucks, Rams-Seahawks, Vikings-Bears. Packers-Colts is not going to be a walk in the park. But you've got Thursday Night Football-Cardinals-Seahawks, win-win. Lions-Panthers, that'll probably put one of these teams away completely. Vikings-Cowboys will be fun to watch just for the sake of it. I don't know if any either of these teams has a chance. Maybe the Vikings, if they're at 4-5, and five, could go to 5-5. Five and five. I don't know if they even, even then have a chance to limp in. But either way, if that happens, they're going to do it by stomping on the Cowboys' face. Then you got Buccaneers-Rams. Again, win-win. If the Buccaneers win that game, the Rams are possibly going to, uh, what, 5-5? Five and five? Otherwise, the Bucs are looking at 6-4. and four. Or no, this would be two weeks later. So if they, they could possibly lose the next two weeks. Buccaneers have a rough schedule. The Rams have a rough schedule coming up. Week 12, you got Ravens-Steelers. Somebody has to lose that game. We're about to find out somebody who's a fraud, right? Because that's how that works. 49ers-Rams. Chiefs-Bucks. There's a win-win for you. Man, the Bucks got a rough schedule. Holy cow. Packers play the Bears. Now, that might be scary. Packers tend to struggle with, with, bad, uh, with, with good defenses. The good thing is the Packers are probably going to stay in that game. Because even if they've been terrible for an entire half and have zero points, what's it going to be? 10 to, 10 to 0? Can still win the game. Then it's Packers Eagles. Again, anything's possible, but I'm not super worried about that one. Got Bears Lions. There's a win win. Cardinals Rams. Again, Rams with a tough schedule. That's a win win. I mean, some of these teams that are in competition have to start losing because they're playing each other, and we're just over here knocking off teams that are just not very good. Even if we fall to one of them, so what? Bills 49ers. There you go. Week 14, you got Vikings Buccaneers. That's awesome. Chiefs-Dolphins might be impactful if the Dolphins keep winning. That's a Packers-Lions week. We'll see how that goes. Feel fairly good about it. Bills-Steelers. These te- I'm just saying, the teams are going to start racking up losses because they have to. If the Steelers stay undefeated, that means the Bills are losing games. The next week, you got Packers-Panthers. That's clearly in the Packers' favor. You got Chiefs-Saints. Awesome. Go Chiefs. Very rarely say that, but go Chiefs. Bears-Vikings. We'll see who we're rooting for at that point. The Vikings are only two games back. Bears may be uh, behind at this point. We're rooting for the Bears to beat the Vikings. Again, that's a win-win. Packers-Titans is going to be real tough. But you got Vikings-Saints, Colts-Steelers, Seahawks-Rams, win-win, Cardinals-49ers, then finally Week 17, Packers-Bears. Again, I tend to think that's in the Packers' favor. we got to see what happens, obviously, by the time we get there. But, you know, Seahawks-49ers again, Cardinals-Rams again. The great thing about the NFC West is there's a bunch of teams that are going to be beating up on each other all the time. A lot of losses to be had out there. Nobody's walking away from this unscathed. We're not going to get through the regular season and say, well, this team is perfect. They're clearly going to win a Super Bowl. The Packers will lose other games. They're not going to go undefeated from here. Sorry if that disappoints you, but neither will any other team. Maybe the Chiefs or something. I don't know. It's possible somebody will, but the, the, the point is, that's not even the goal at this point. The goal isn't to be undefeated. It, the biggest goal we should be shooting for is to win, to win the NFC, to get that bye, if we even want that. I don't know if we even want the bye, to be completely honest. I don't know what the benefit is. I mean, we can't lose, which is great, but this team has been terrible coming out of byes. We get that automatic victory into the next round, but it's almost an automatic loss coming out of that round. So if the goal is to be in a position to win in the playoffs, then really the only goal for the regular season is to get into the playoffs healthy. That's the biggest goal we have. I'm feeling pretty confident we're going to get into the playoffs, so we just need to get there healthy, which again explains why Matt LaFleur's main focus has been kind of keeping guys out that aren't quite healthy enough. Obviously, he had hoped that he could keep guys out against the Vikings and still win. That didn't happen. 
you don't want to get too cautious and start losing too many games and eventually get kicked out. But the way that this has been expanded, it really seems like if you're a decent enough team, you're going to get into the playoff. It's just a matter of make sure you're in a position to win. So we need continued growth, which we're seeing. That's a decent topic for tomorrow. Sidarius, Kingsley Kiki. You could even say Rodgers. He had his blip after the bye and has been getting better every week. So guys keep getting better. That's what we need. I know we're, we're super zoomed in and super hyper-focused when the Packers play the Vikings. The only thing in this universe that matters is the Packers beating the Vikings. And if we don't do that, our universe collapses. But I think it's beneficial to keep a big-picture view of things, right? Winning and losing is, is important in terms of seeing the future a little bit, but also not really. Tampa got annihilated by New Orleans. Does that mean Tampa's not going to make the playoffs? No, they will be in the playoffs. Does that mean they can't win in the playoffs? No, it doesn't. It means they probably won't, just like most teams probably won't win in the playoffs. I mean, they'll lose at some point in the playoffs, because only literally two teams don't lose in the playoffs. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. But but at the end of the day, honestly, what does this game mean for Tampa? Almost nothing. It means almost nothing. If they can just get it out of their head and move on like it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter. This game means nothing. I mean, it's, it's a signal similar to any other team. Hey, this is a team that can beat anybody. This is a team that can lose to anybody. They can win big. They can lose big. Same as the Packers, but so what? Are you telling me it's impossible Tampa wins the Super Bowl? Of course it's not impossible. And we know that hours after they got annihilated by New Orleans. That's true of every single team that isn't already mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Not just including, but especially the Green Bay Packers. More than enough talent to beat any team that gets lined up in front of them. And that's ultimately all that matters. No, the odds aren't in our favor, just like the odds aren't in anybody's favor of winning. Nobody has better than 50% odds of winning the Super Bowl. There's always going to be an element of luck, which is another reason why this whole draft and free agency and all this stuff, it's kind of silly. Nobody's going to push you over 50%. At some point, it comes down to kind of just getting hot, getting kind of lucky, just being lucky enough to get a, a, a solid four-game winning streak, to be literally the only team to get into the playoffs and have that winning streak. That's how you win a Super Bowl. And there are pieces that might help you. They might not. I don't know. But again, the, the, the big goal right here is stay healthy and keep getting better. That's it. That's really all that matters. Again, if, if they lose to the Jaguars, that's problematic because now we're flirting with losing way too many games also doesn't help you in your goal of getting better every week maybe it can help you because you learn from your losses but it's it's not inspiring a lot of lot of hope that we are that we're getting better but but that that's just what it is if we're being honest about it and again i know we wait all year for the nfl season and then we wait all week for the game to show up and it finally shows up we got to build up so much in our mind that how great this team is no we're gonna kill them we're gonna annihilate them and then when we don't it's like oh it's the end of the world because we built up some false expect- expectation in our mind of what should be. It is what it is, man. Just get healthy, get into the playoffs, and we'll see what happens. In the meantime, we'll, we'll talk about the Jaguars, and we'll talk about the Colts, and the, the Titans, and the Bears, and all that good stuff. And of course I want to win. I'm, I'm just saying, if the goal is the Super Bowl, each individual winning win and loss is really not as big of a deal as we make it out to be. Seattle got annihilated by Buffalo. So what does that mean as far as their chances of winning the Super Bowl? It means zero. They're going to get into the playoffs. They have a team that's good enough to win a Super Bowl. They have some issues that are going to make it tough, like a defense that is not very good. But we know that they can win a Super Bowl. We know deep down, as much as we want to go on Twitter and just bash Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and all that stuff, at the end of the day, Seattle is still a team that can go into the Super Bowl or into the playoffs 
wipe out the Packers if they, you know, get to that that opportunity, get into the Super Bowl and possibly win it. It's unlikely, but it's possible. And this loss hasn't changed that equation hardly at all. And so when I go on Twitter and say they're frauds, I'm being entirely sarcastic. They're not frauds. They've always been capable of this kind of a loss, just like they're capable of going forward and annihilating the next team that they play, and probably will. If you didn't think they were capable of this, it's because you were wrong in your mind that the Packers are uniquely terrible and Seattle would never lose like this. It's because you are wrong in your thinking. It's football, man. We want things to be black and white, to be concrete, and it just never is. Football's never been that way. I don't know how people that have been watching for 10, 20, 30 years haven't got this figured out yet. If Pittsburgh lost to Dallas, it would have been super crazy, but I wouldn't bet my... my, I don't have a mortgage, but I wouldn't bet a house on it. Would you? It'd be stupid. Think about that. Arguably the best team in football against arguably the worst team in football, and not one of you would have bet your kid on it. Because you know it's possible Dallas can win. We pretend we don't know that when the Packers lose to a team they're supposed to beat, but we know it's possible. We play stupid when that happens, but we already know. I'm giving you permission to be excited about the Green Bay Packers, okay? I'm giving you permission to say, to look at the Vikings' loss, to look at the Tampa Bay loss, and say, you know what? It happens. The Vikings have the ability to annihilate teams, like beating Detroit 34-20. to They're that good of a team at times. Tampa Bay has the ability to annihilate teams. They've done it in the past. They'll do it again. They also have the ability to get annihilated 3-38, to meaning if the Packers play the Tampa Bay again, they might beat them. If we see them in the playoffs, there's no guarantee we lose. Why is it a guarantee we lose? Did you, did you, I mean, I didn't, but supposedly Tom Brady was pretty garbage. You're saying we can't beat that team? Of course we can. We can beat Tampa. We can beat New Orleans. We can beat San Francisco and Arizona and Dallas and Pittsburgh and Atlanta and Buffalo and Seattle and Indy and Baltimore and Jacksonville and Houston, Carolina, Kansas City, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago, Tennessee, Washington, and the Giants and the Jets and New England and anybody that had a bye. We can. We could also lose to just about any of those teams. And we will. We will beat a lot of teams. We will lose to a lot of teams. The question is, how do we position ourselves best to win a Super Bowl? And as long as they do that, I can't be upset. I know I say this every year, and i got to get going, but I keep saying, and it's largely for the pessimists, but during the draft, I want everybody to do their own draft so that we can go back and look at it. Same with free agency. You tell me who we picked up, and then we go back and look at it and analyze it. I'm guessing that the true diehard pessimists wouldn't do it because then they wouldn't have the power to complain all year long. So they would just forfeit or forego that opportunity. But it really would give a very good insight into things. For all of us. Again, I would have picked Patrick Queen. That would be pretty stupid. I don't know who I would have picked beyond that. I think I kind of lost track. I was doing a live stream, so it's hard to, you know, I got my list that I'm not even paying attention to. I'm not crossing anybody off anymore. But I know Queen was, was the top of my mind, and it's just, it has not been going well for Patrick Queen, despite what you're being told. But anyways, that's all I got. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.